It's because it's muted, muted. There's a switch for that. I don't know if you guys are nervous yet this morning, but I sure am. <laughs> I'm so... Whew. All right. Wow. So this morning, we're going to talk about um, the importance of community, and, and more specifically, community life as it relates to the church. Um, and I want to just start this morning, just right out of the gate real quick, with a definition of community. If you think about it, our, our name is Crossroads Community Church. The idea of community, it, it means something in our name. And so community is this idea of a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. Community is something that can be a powerful experience, uh, especially when you enter into it. Community is based on this idea of, of active participation in a common interest and a commitment to living for one another. And so as a believers in Jesus Christ, that's what we're, our desire at Crossroads Community Church is that this is a fellowship, this is a family of believers that belong to each other. And God didn't design us to live um, in isolation. He didn't, he, he didn't design us to live alone. Um, he designed His church to be a living fellowship where we worship Him united, we witness His grace, we encourage one another in the truth, and as a community, we share the same Christ life. We share the Word of God together. We share the same love for the Lord Jesus Christ. We share the same concern for the world that is lost and perishing. And we, same, we share the same desire to bring glory to God. It's in community that we cultivate growth in our spiritual walk. And so community is something that's important. And as we've been studying Philippians, and we've been looking at this idea, this concept of one body, one mind, united together for the purpose of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Certainly, Paul is talking about community. And I think for, for the Christian community, the catalyst for community, the purpose, the mission for community has to be the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's why we gather together. It's why we gather together even to celebrate Ayla this morning. Our desire as a community of believers, we have one, one desire for Ayla, that she, would, she, that she would be raised in the Lord and that she would trust the Lord Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. That's why we exist as the church. We're here to admonish and encourage and teach one another. Um, and for the early church, community was life right? This community, this bond, this fellowship of believers, it was life. Its laws were part of, of the person's being. Its customs were something that, they, that that person would be proud of. This person would know all about the doctrine, all about the things that brought them together. And they would give and pledge their loyalty and give willingly to this community. In, in the early New Testament, community was the best thing in a believer's life. Um, in Acts 2, we get this idea of this dynamic community. Um, and maybe you've seen this before. This, this, it, it says there in, in Acts 2 and verse 42, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the, breaking of, to the, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And... and those are the things that unite us together, right? The, the Word of God, the, the fellowship that we share together here, this idea of breaking bread together, the communion table. We share these things. But what happens after that is something beautiful. These believers in Jesus Christ, miracles are being done. Things are happening in God's name. It says there that the people are they're filled with awe and wonder. This community of believers, they're meeting each other's needs. They're enjoying being together daily. And this is something that's changing our culture. We don't live in the, in the first century. And so it's different for us. But people are being saved daily because of this community and because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not just individuals, right, who can do whatever we want. We are interdependent members 
of this community of faith. That's why Romans 12 says that we belong to one another. And our heritage is firmly rooted in Christ. And that's our, that's our desire. That's our goal as, at Crossroads Community Church is that we would build that kind of community. And so this morning, my goal is to do two things. Number one um, is to convince you of why being part of community is so important. And by the way, what we're doing this morning is part of community, just so you know. But there are things that cannot happen on Sunday morning that happen much better in the small group, in the small community, in the small fellowship. Um, but I also want to paint a picture of what community looks like and how it's different than the community that the world offers. And finally, I've asked Steve if he would come and share his vision for where our community groups are headed um, this morning as he's going to be the one um, kind of leading the charge of community groups for Crossroads. And so I've asked Ross and Laura to hand out some cards, to hand out some pens. This is a participatory message. And so each family is going to get a card. What I want you to be thinking about is, hey, I'd like to be a part of a community group. Um, there's some options there. Um, there's going to be a no pressure, no pressure. Um, but I want to encourage you to be a part of that. So why is community important? Why is it so important? If you think about the concept of community in Scripture, Think about this, all the way back in Genesis at the beginning, the world was formed through collaborative community, wasn't it? Remember that? You guys remember that in Genesis 1, chapter 26? God's creating. Jesus Christ is there with God, creating. The Holy Spirit's there in the beginning, hovering over the waters. There's a sense where the, the triunity of God is involved in creation, and God comes to man and he says, he says this, he says, let us make man in our own image. He begins right there by defining, this is, this is Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit together in this collaborative effort to create the universe, to create the world. And so he says, let us make man in our own image. But then the very next thing that he says, right, in, in Genesis chapter 2, he's looking, and he's looking at his creation, and he realizes he created this wonderful man, Adam, and he looks at Adam, and he says, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. And so what does he do? He creates Eve. He creates community, if you will. And, and Adam's pretty excited about Eve, right? God brings Eve to Adam in the garden, and, and He's just like, wow, this is amazing. This is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. And, and then community, creation. We see that idea of community in Jesus' ministry. Jesus collaborated together with his disciples. Now, Jesus is God. He could have just made the mission happen all by himself. He chose not to do that. He chose to involve his creation in the mission. Fascinating. And the people that he chose, not rock stars really in anybody's sense of imagination. These disciples are all sorts of personalities. If you can imagine that first community group, whoo, think about it for a second. Just think back to some of the things that happened in the, in the, in the Gospels. One guy thinks he's like the, he's it. These two guys are fighting for power within this little community group. Um, that ever happened in your, your community groups? You ever had that happen in the church? Yeah. They do sound like rock stars, don't they? But here they are. Together, Jesus is, is building this beautiful community. He's passing on his, his teachings. He's telling them, this is what I want you to do. He gives them a common mission that unites them together. And that leads to the church. And we've already talked about what happened in Acts 2.42 and how the community came together around the apostles' teaching. I think something that's important here to note is that there was no access to the Word of God um, in that first community group. They had to come together to share the Word of God. They're literally being taught the Word of God as it's being penned. And so it was imperative that they came together to learn from one another. But that's, and so 
That's the reason, that's why community is so important in Scripture. But I want to give you an outline of what community looks like. And I want you to turn to Hebrews this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, give us a glimpse, give us an idea of what this community can look like. And there are many passages in the Scriptures that, could, that instruct and il- illustrate this kind of community. I want us to just look at the, these few verses, and I just want to look at each phrase and paint a picture of community. And so he begins here, I'll just, let's read it. Uh, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, and let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Just take that little, that first phrase there, and let us consider. Whoever wrote Hebrews, what, what does he mean by that? This, this idea of let us consider, it's the idea of, of strategic, intentional thinking. There's thought that goes around this. Let us consider how we might create this kind of community where we're spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. Let's think purposefully about it. Let's strategize about it. Let's strategically motivate ourselves to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And so as a church, one of our strategies, if you will, one of the ways that we've strategized is that we feel like small groups, community groups, are a good place to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And so Steve's going to come out, and he's, he's going to come up this morning later and talk about our community groups. But let us consider that. Be strategic. This is important stuff. And he goes on here. He says, let us consider how we may spur one another on. Well, that's a great word, isn't it? That idea of spur one another. I don't know about you, but I'm sure that, um, you know, when a horse kind of gets a spur kicked in its side, it's kind of motivating, isn't it? But it's not pleasant all the time, is it? You think it's pleasant for the horse? Is it pleasant for the horse? Does the horse ever talk back and say, you're not going to spur me again? Nope. But they might buck you off. Sometimes it's painful, right? And I think there's a sense here where what he's saying here is that let us strategically think about how we can irritate one another. Amen. Am I selling this yet? Sometimes community groups are irritating. They can, you can get irritated, but this, it's this idea of spurring one another on. It's this idea of, a, of accountability. Let us be accountability if we think about it in a positive way. The writer's conveying here that we should be involved in each other's lives. No man, no woman is an island. In other words, to spur one another on is to hold one another accountable, to encourage one another to love and good deeds. I appreciate Chris's heart for the men at Crossroads. His desire is to do that, is to spur one another on, hold one another accountable. Developing healthy community and a healthy Christian walk. We're not just trying to irritate each other for irritated each other's sake here. We're doing it in such a way that we're, we're spurring one another on towards love and towards good deeds, towards Christ. It's this idea, if you will, of responsible to my neighbor. It's one of our values as a church. We want to spur one another on to be responsible to one another. Not for one another, but to one another. In other words, if something's happening in someone's life, we want to be there. And, and you'll know that when you're in this, this smaller community. You'll know that something's going on. Let me encourage you. Stick with it. I know it's hard. In high school, I had a group of Christian friends. Um, we were a community. I would say we were brotherhood. We were, we were brothers in Christ. We, we would pray together. We had a little prayer group that we started on Friday mornings. We'd gather in my, in my room at my house, and uh, we would just pray. There were a few of us. Um, we were all struggling in high school. One of the things that I was struggling with was swearing. Man, I could not get my tongue under control. Um, to be honest, man, I still 
and trying to get that tongue bridled today. Um, but one of the ways that we thought that we could spur one another on, and I'm not advocating for this in our community groups, by the way, oh, if it works, though, is if you, like, and so if we're walking down the hall at school and you hear me say a colorful word that I shouldn't be saying, you have every permission to hit me as hard as you want to, as hard as you can, because I want to be reminded that, hey, this is not what I want to say. This is not how I want to be. This is not who I am in Christ. This is not the kind of representation that Jesus would want me to be a witness to. So you have permission to just haul off and hit me. And you can imagine that at school, it was kind of interesting because every once in a while, there would, we'd be by our lockers, and man, all of a sudden, you'd just get the hardest smack in your shoulder. But it was a reminder. It was a spurring, if you will, that, man, that's not the kind of Christian witness that I want to be. Sometimes in the church, we need to spur one another on. Now, I'm not suggesting that we just start hitting each other because <laughs> I don't think that's healthy for adults. I think it works in... High school, maybe, might. But, so he says, spur one another on. He talks about one another there. Think about the one another's of Scripture with me for just a second. The Bible instructs us, right, to love your neighbor as yourself, to love one another. In fact, 1 John 4 says it this way, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. It's important that we love one another. There's an instruction there to love one another. Part of that loving one another is the idea of forgiving one another in Scripture. Um, Ephesians 4 says it this way. It says, be kind to one another tender-hearted. But then it says they're forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, if you've been in the church long enough, you, you've had the opportunity to practice forgiveness, I promise you, because the church is messy. It's not perfect. Relationships in the church are not perfect. People hurt each other. And yet, it's within this community of believers that the instruction of Christ is that we would forgive one another. Take it all the way down to the, the smallest community that we've talked about, family this morning. Husbands and wives forgive one another. And then magnify it out to the body of Christ. God calls us to practice these one another's. Part of the way that we spur one another on towards love and good deeds is to practice forgiveness. talks about serving one another. Um, for you're called to freedom, brothers, Galatians 5 says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Don't be fleshly. Don't think I can be an island over here. I can just do my own little thing and be in my own little huddle. The Bible instructs us not to do that. It says, hey, serve one another. We had a great opportunity in a community group down in Arkansas to see this fleshed out. We had some friends of ours that were part of our community group. We were a young, pretty young group at the time, and these friends were moving to Idaho, and they didn't have any money. They didn't, they didn't have anything. And so we, we wanted them to be able to go. We wanted to help them, and so our community group just said, you know what? We'll pay for it. We'll help you. We'll collect the money, and we'll buy the rider truck. We'll load the rider truck for you so that you can go to Idaho. We know that God's calling you there. And that's what we did. And it was amazing the, the way that this group served one another, giving up their resources, their finances, sacrificing. And none of us were rich in the group. I'm a youth pastor, for Christ's sake, at the time. They don't get paid a lot of anything. But it was beautiful the way that we served one another in that, in that community group. That's the kind of community that we're advocating for at Crossroads Community Church. And that, and that happens here. It talks about encouraging one another, the Scripture says. Paul's encouragement to the Philippian church, think about it. We studied this in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. It says, hey guys, I see you. 
I see what's going on in your church. I know you're discouraged, but I'm proud of you. I know you can do it. In fact, he pens it this way. He says that the one who began a good work in you will be faithful and carried on to completion in Christ Jesus. Think about Paul's encouragement. Think about how encouraging that would have been to this church. Part of our responsibility in our, in our church is to encourage one another. Say, you know what? I see you. I see what's going on in your life. I know that right now things are really hard. But I want to encourage you in the Lord. God, who I know is working in you, the one who began this work in you, he is going to carry you. He will carry you on to completion. One more one another in Scripture before we move on in this verse. Scripture instructs us to carry each other's burdens. This is an interesting verse in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. It says this, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. In the context of the Scripture, what are the burdens that we're carrying? This is interesting because right before that it says, hey, if, if, a, if a weaker brother sins, you who are spiritual restore him gently. But watch out that you don't fall into the same temptation. Carry each other's burdens. In the same way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. The emphasis here on the burden that we're carrying is the moral failures of others. Think about that for a second. People make mistakes. Everyone in this room sins. Every one of us, the pastor included, is a sinner. We fall short of the glory of God. There are times in our lives where we find ourselves in the, entangled in, in sin. I think the instruction in here is, hey, community of believers in Jesus Christ, come alongside and carry this person, carry this burden, and guess what? By carrying this burden, you will fulfill the law of Christ, which is what? To love your neighbor as yourself. C.S. Lewis says that um, friendship arises out of mere companionship when two or more of the companions discover that they have in common some interest, insight, or even taste which the others do not share, or which, till the moment, each believe to be his own unique treasure, but I also think, or burden. Sometimes it's important that we realize, you are not alone. I am not alone. That kind of confession, that kind of admission, happens in community. An expression then of this friendship, and when it opens up, it's like, what? You too? You know what? I thought I was the only one that struggled with this thing. And so it's important that we spur one another on. We practice all the one another's of Scripture. And I think one of the best ways that we can do that is within the context of community. Within this larger community and also within the microcosm, the smaller community or community groups where we share life together. And he goes on and he says then to, to love and good deeds. And so let us spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Agape love is at the core of Christian living. It's the thing that remains. If you think about it, all the other things disappear. What remains? Love. Agape love is what remains, and it remains eternally in heaven. Everything's going to pass away. What's going to remain? Corinthians teaches us love. Agape love. Why? Because God is love and God dwells in community with himself. God is there. And so therefore, love is there, agape love, in eternity. And so it's good that we would practice this kind of love now. In other words, as believers, we are obligated to help one another attain love. Right? Can you attain, let me ask it a different way, can you attain love by yourself? 
Love can't happen in isolation. Love can only happen between two people. It can only happen in community. In fact, according to this teaching, love is a product of community activity, the spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. You can't practice love without another person. And so there's the imperative. Be involved. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. And then there's this next verse. And I've been, I've been thinking about this verse a lot this week. There is a risk to being in community. He says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You know what? Even in the early church, apparently, it had its problems, right? Some people left the community. Why did they leave? Why would, why would the people leave the community? There's a lot of risk involved in leaving the community in the first century. We don't really get to know why in the Scripture. But we do know that no church is perfect. Why would they leave? I think it's because sometimes community gets really hard. Sometimes it gets really messy. Sometimes I think we, we think, man, I'm going to leave the community because you know what? This isn't really helping me, right? This community group, it's not helping me. Um, I've got a lot of things going on in my life. I've got to chase my kid from this thing to this thing to this thing. Um, I just don't have time for it. It's not important. And, and, um, and I'm not really seeing the benefit of it. Um, I think sometimes we might leave community because of personality conflicts. You know what? This person over here is dominating our discussion. They're so annoying. I can't be in community with that person. Ugh. Sometimes I think, I think in community, um, we can hurt each other. I don't know that, that we do that in the church intentionally. I don't think we intentionally like go out to wound each other. But my goodness, sometime the community can just lose sight of what, what we're all about and what we're there for. And it can just leave a wake, a wake of, of wounds. We thought we were moving for the same mission. We thought we were focused on the same thing. Apparently, we're not. And it can just leave us divided. And so we think, you know what? I'm just going to move out of community. Sometimes I think that we, we move out of community. We stop fellowshipping together because, you know what? I've got this thing that I don't want to talk to anybody about going on in my life. And so I don't want anybody else to know about that. So I'm just going to... I'm stepping out. I'm going to step out of community. And I'm just going to deal with this myself. There's a danger. <laughs> there is a danger when we do that. Hear me. There is danger when we think that way. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's something that you're personally struggling with. And you're like, I'm just going to step out of community because no one wants to enter this mess with me. As the body of Christ, as the one and others that we've talked about this morning, we have a responsibility to our neighbors to be involved in one another's life. There's a sense where community, entering into the community, gives permission to be a part of that. Now, in the early church, this was interesting, this commentary, it says this, is this any, the, the people were not meeting together as some in the, were in the habit of doing. It says, any early Christian who attempted to live like a, a pious particle is the word that he used there. In other words, I can have God and just enjoy God without the, anyone else, without any believers, without the support. In other words, attempted to live like a pious particle without the support of the community, ran serious risks in an age when there was no public opinion to support him. I'm going to read that again and listen very carefully to the end of this sentence. Any early Christian who attempted to live like a pious particle, I don't need community, without the support of the community ran serious risks in an age, listen, when there was no public opinion to support him. 
right? There was a risk of being in Christian community during the first century. And I would argue that today, if we leave Christian community, there's no public opinion to support you. There's no one that's, that's supporting, that's standing, that's standing on the Word of God and the Scriptures. The church is the place where the Scriptures are being taught, where the truth of God is being proclaimed. The world, we've left the 50s, folks. We are in a whole new time where the, the world does not revere Christ. The United States does not, our country does not revere the Lord. They are totally lost their ways. You will not find the support of the things that you believe outside of the church. You're going to become confused. You're going to find that did God really say? You're going to start believing the lie that, that went all the way back to the garden. We need Christian community. You need Christian community. You need the church. Yes, the church is messy. It's not perfect. But think, we live in a time that's very similar to the time of the first century. And if we think that we don't need community and we choose to separate ourselves, we will drift. Now, if you've been hurt before by community, and it happens all the time, know this, God is a constant refuge and a strength. He is a help in trouble. God will never leave you. God will never turn his back on you. You might get hurt in community. It's risky. It's risky when we open ourselves up. Know that God is constant, and God will never leave you. And so he goes on, he says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let, let's encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, I think following this, this phrase here is some are in the habit of doing, let's encourage each other. You know what? Let's look out for one another. Let's think about and let's see when people are kind of veering off and veering away from community. It's our job as the body of Christ to go, you know what? I need to encourage this person. We need to bring them back into the fellowship, back into this community. We've got to look out for them. It's part of what we do when we love one another. Love is sacrifice. And so I just want to encourage you Consider being a part of community. Consider the teaching of these verses. And make a choice. We're in community right now, by the way, in this body of Christ. We're accountable to one another here on Sunday morning. But there are things that can't happen on Sunday that happen much better in a small group. And Steve's going to come and he's going he's to talk real here and just share kind of his vision, his heart for our community groups. Koinonia, you thought I was going to talk about small groups, didn't you? Koinonia is a word that, uh, uh, that I want to share with you this morning. Christian fellowship or communion with God or more commonly with fellow Christians. Um, the word koinonia goes back, it's, a, it's an ancient work, go, uh, word, it goes all the way back to 1976 okay, for me. So actually, it's a Greek word that goes, it's, it's an ancient Greek word. And uh, when I first became a Christian, the first thing I, I, I went to before I even went to a, a, uh, a worship service was a koinonia group. The church at that time had adopted that word for, what they, for their small groups. Here, we're going to use the word community group. Uh, koinonia is interesting. And so I called my, I called my son, who, is a, uh, who was a perennial... Uh, seven-year uh, Bible college seminary uh, student who learned uh, and spent the entire seven years studying Greek and Hebrew. 
And uh, one time I looked at him and I said, son, I'm so proud of you. You know, it was seven years and, and he, would, he, he knew all about Greek and Hebrew. And that, that gives him an advantage in the ministry, knowing those, knowing those languages. And I, I, so I said, I'm very proud of you. He says, thanks, Dad. I'm, I'm, I'm an expert in two dead languages. So, so the word koinonia talk, when you break it down, so I visited with him. Uh, it comes down to, to several definitions when it's, when it's used in the Greek, Greek language. Uh, participation, sharing, togetherness, and contribution. I thought those words were all interesting in, in, as we think about our small group ministry this morning. Uh, and you took my thunder. Thank you. Uh, I was, gonna, was also going to uh, uh, define community group. And our community, and, and it is a group of people living in, in the same place or having particular characteristic in common. And just shoot out at me a little bit when, when he talked this morning about a characteristic in common. What are some of the things we have right here this morning? What are some of the characteristics in our, in our community here this morning that we have? What's some of the common characteristics? Parents? Okay. All right. What brings us here on Sunday morning? Excuse me? Love of God. Thank you. Yeah. couple more? Excuse me? To worship in community. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, those are all great. And that's, that's some of the things. Christ. You know, we all come here because we want to learn more about Christ. We want to learn more about the Lord. We want to have a relationship with him. And, and uh, we come here to worship him. Uh, and uh, so those are some of the things we have in common. Um, so I'm excited about the community group ministry um, as, as we go. Right now, believe it or not, we have north of 53 people in small groups here. Isn't that something? That's pretty cool. And there's five groups right now. And uh, we're, I'll, I'll be talking more about that in a little bit, but we're going to be increasing those or hope to increase those, those numbers here shortly. Uh, there is an interest uh, being shown by several people in the congregation. So uh, if you will talk a little more towards the end of, of what I'm, uh, my comments here, but uh, if you're interested in being a small group, please come and talk to me. I'd love to visit with you. So uh, in today's church, uh, what an incredibly important event for each of us to be a part of. And uh, Pastor talked about that this morning. There's so many holes that we come here and we worship on Sunday morning, but there's so many holes that need to be filled through, through community groups, through, through that interaction, through the things that, that happen in, in a small group where, where you can actually feel a little bit more open, a little safer, where there's trust, where there's things that, that, that happen within the group that... Uh, that you're just not going to get anywhere else. Uh, for instance, uh, the role of the community group uh, goes deep, spiritual growth. Uh, over the years, I've grown a lot through small groups, uh, and it's, it's, it's a great way to learn a lot about Scripture. It's a great way to learn a lot from other people as you, as you grow spiritually. Uh, I have run into some, some very, uh, very, very, cool people over the years, cool believers that, that gave me some direction in my life through small groups and, and, and through that ministry, uh, not to mention the fact the group that I'm in today. Uh, what a great group that, and I'll talk more about that in a minute, improved prayer life. Who doesn't want to have a better prayer life? I want a better prayer life. I think I've got a great prayer life right now, but I run into a lot of my friends and, and uh they are prayer warriors. There's a difference between a guy like me who prays, okay? I pray a lot. I pray a lot on the way to work in the morning. I pray a lot on the way home from work in the morning. It, it, it's a way for me to make my time, my commute back and forth to work go faster. I've done that for years. Maybe you could try that as well if you'd like. Uh, one of the things I learned in small groups years ago about prayer is, did you know, if, if, you're, if you're a parent or you're a grandparent, raise your hand. Did you know that today, that's going to leave a whole lot of people in the room, uh, today, uh, did you know that you can pray for your children if you haven't had children yet? You should be. I had a pastor tell him, point, point his finger at me like I'm doing you to, to you today, and he said, you should be praying for your children. I wasn't married yet. I, I, I knew Kathy. I wasn't married yet. And he said, you need to start praying for your children. 
That was kind of weird, but I started doing that. And now, after I had two children, I started praying for my grandchildren. And uh, so I prayed for my grandchildren, and, and now I'm praying for their children. You can do that. That's one of the things I learned in small group years ago. If you're not doing that, you should be doing that. This world's eroding before our eyes, if you're watching it at all. That, so the prayer is so important. When you put these hands together, I don't think any of us, myself included, realize what kind of power you have when you pray. When you get in, go in that closet and close the door, or wherever you choose to pray, in your car, I don't care where it is, when you put your hands together to pray, you're calling down the Holy Spirit and you're calling down the powers of heaven. It's not just something where we go, God is great, God is good, thank you for this food. Okay, that's fine, we have our kids all do that, but this is much more. And prayer is something that you learn in small groups, prayer, corporate prayer together in small groups. Friendships. Uh, I have friendships from small groups that have lasted my entire life. Uh, I, I have friends today that I talk to that I was in small groups with years ago. He, you know, Pastor talked this morning about no man is an island. I had a gentleman who worked for me for, for years. Uh, I won't, I, I'm not going to say his name, but he was a, a very close friend of mine. I, I have a feeling, forgive me, but I have a feeling I might have been the only friend he had. Uh, and he, he I, I would talk to him about the Lord, and here's what he'd say. He was a huge fisherman. Loved to fish, loved to go out on the lake. And he said, you know, he said, I can be close to God. He said, I go out on my boat out, out on Sailorville in the mornings, and I'm, I'm close to God. I'm, I'm with God then. You know, he had alienated two wives. He had alienated his two sons and all his grandkids. He was alone. Three months ago, he, he retired. He had to retire because of health reasons about a year ago. And three months ago, he called me from Kansas City. He was alone in a hospice house down there, no one with him. He was a loner, and he was about to die, and he called me, and we talked over the phone. You, no, man is a, no man is an island is, is correct. You need friendships. I don't want to die that way. I don't want to die alone. I don't want to, I don't want to alienate my family. I have family. All my, all my kids and grandkids so far, I believe, are believers. I believe that I'm standing here today, right here today, because of the prayers of my grandparents. They were prayer warriors. They were on their knees all the time. So prayer is so important, and you can get that through small groups, through, through community groups. Group discussions. We've had some great discussions, right, Roger? Haven't we? Gary? I don't, I don't see anybody else from our group here this morning. Great discussions, and I have learned so much from our small group. What a great opportunity to go and listen and, and learn from other believers who have been through some of the same things you might be going through, a feeling of connection. I need to feel connected. I need to feel connected. I got I, I to be a part of a group. We, we've, I feel connected because we have done so many cool things as a group. Um, engagement, being engaged in a group, being a part of it. You know, you make small group what you want it to be. That's what it comes down to. So if you come home at night and, you're, and your group is on Wednesday night and, and you sit down in your chair and your spouse says, oh, we have a small group tonight, and you go, oh. you know, I just got home from work and I had a busy week and now i got to go to small group. If, if that's your attitude, then that's what you're going to make small group. But if you come at it with, I'm going to go, I get to be with Roger Fry tonight. Okay? That is a good thing. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. If you, if you, if you come into it with, I need prayer. I need this time together. I, 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 see, I see the benefit of being in a small group. That's going to be cool. That's going to be great. Um. Inviting believers and unbelievers to the group. Um, that's a privilege and an honor to have an unbeliever. I've had that happen in small groups I've been in. I've watched God change them. I've watched the transformation of their lives. 
as they've given their lives to Christ through small groups. That's phenomenal. That's a privilege to go through to watch the Holy Spirit change someone's life in, in, through small groups. Um, well, I'm, so many times over the years, I, I don't know how you feel, but you're in a small group and, and you're praying for somebody's cousin, second cousin, three times removed, and, and uh, there's so much of that going on. In, in, that's important. We need to pray for those things. We need to pray for those things. But I tell you, I, I, uh, it's more, I need to have people praying for me about uh, the things that are real, the things that are real in my life, the, the sin that I struggle with. Uh, very good, what you said this morning about, about we all are sinners. I, I sit in my group and I look around at the small group. I'm picking on them today. But I sit and I look around the small group. There are some heavy-hitting saints in my group. I love every single one of them. And I've learned they're, they're, they're sinners like I am. And I ran across this quote. Bear with me, if you will. Confession is a difficult discipline for us because we are too often, we too often view believing community as a fellowship of saints before we see them as a fellowship of sinners. We feel that everyone else has advanced so far into holiness that we are isolated and alone in our sin and our problems, and we're scared to share them. We're scared to share them. We think everybody else in this room has it together, don't we? I look around the room, and I see some really cool people here, and I think, man, they've got it together. They're struggling just like I am, just like we are. And that's why small group is so important. The vision of Crossroads Community Church uh, uh, community groups really supports these critical roles. So the vision, purpose, and philosophy of, of the small groups, of the community groups, is studying scripture, praying together, missional service projects, um, our group has had a lot of fun. Help me again with the, at Christmas time when we helped the, uh, what is it? Single parent provision. I struggle with that. It's all the drugs I did in the 70s. So I cannot bring that up, okay? Single parent provision. And uh, we went down and did that last year, and I was so privileged and honored to be a part of that. I know there's somebody in this church that kind of heads that up. And uh, we went down as a small group, and, and we actually got to be with the high schoolers. And if you think that wasn't a trip uh, down there, and yet what an honor to be able to, as a small group, go down and provide support for single mothers who wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to come to a nice evening, receive gifts, and, and make it about them, the struggles they're going through in their lives and blessing them. What an honor to be a part of that. We've other, our group has done other things as well. Uh, but but serve missional and service projects. Find things to do in your small group. If you're in a small group today, or if you're leading a small group today, find those things and, and be a part of that. Make it fun. Make your small group fun. If you're not making your small group fun and it's nothing but doldrums, stop. Okay, find a Wednesday night and stop and go have a cookout. If you've got a bunch of kids and you're in a small group with a bunch of kids, I get it. I understand. You've got challenges there. Go out and rent a shelter somewhere, throw a grill down, set up a ba bags game in Jenga, and go at it. And have fun one night. There's a time to be serious. There's a time to study scripture. There's a time to pray. There's also time to have fun and, and, and get to know each other in community like that. Um, Cultivate grace and truth through vibrant discussion. Uh, the, the small group leaders are going to meet, they're, they're actually going to meet uh, every third Tuesday. We're going to have training, and we're going to provide them with all kinds of different things that they can do in your group. None the least of which is following Jason and, and his, his sermon every morning uh, on Sundays. Our group did that for a long time. Right now, media has a ton of cool stuff. I have a bunch of things that I can, that I can give to the, to the small group leaders to help them as well. And uh, uh, it, it's, it should be a great time of, of honoring God through that. Cultivate meaningful relationships. Move from worship Sunday to community. 
So uh, we're looking for more groups in the future. Look for that to happen. So uh, if you're looking at groups, if you see a list of groups somewhere, I know there's one out there, don't worry. If you need to be in a small group, I'll see to it that you get in one. Just come and see me. Uh, it's imperative today that, that you be in a, that you, that, that at least for me, to be in a small group, be in a life group and uh, uh, community group. Uh, I, I need them and uh, I need my group. I, I was, uh, I had a serious health issue um, a month or so ago. Found myself uh, sitting in the hospital, which is no fun. And uh, uh, continue to get prayers from my small group every day. And I, I greatly appreciated that. I needed to know someone was praying for me. I had a pastor one time that I sat under and that uh, uh, he told me that he told us one morning that his father was a prayer warrior. And uh, and uh, when his father died, he, all he could think of was, who's going to pray for me now? I don't want to think that. I don't want you to sit there and think that. Who's going to pray for you? Who's praying for you right now? So, so in the next few weeks, if you feel a little tap on the shoulder, I'd like to visit with you about small group. If you don't happen to be, one and, uh, be in one, and if you want to visit with me, come and talk to me. And thank you. Thanks, Steve. And thanks for thanks for being willing to step up and kind of take that ministry. Um, you got a card this morning. Um, it has some options on there, some boxes to check. Um, you can put your name on it. You can fill it out. Um, if you're ready to fill it out this morning, do that. Um, we will. Um, you can put them in the offering bag if you already have it filled out, which will come around here in a few minutes. Or you can be praying about it. Be praying about what God would want you to do. So we're going to close in prayer and, and sing some songs and take, take our offering, and then you'll be dismissed. So, Father, um, God, I thank you, Lord, for the way that you've designed the church, God, a uh, community of believers in Jesus Christ who are striving together uh, to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ and to know Jesus, um, and also to carry the gospel, um, Father, into the world. And um, so, God, I pray, Father, that you will um, work in our hearts, God, Help us to see, God, the importance of, of being together, um, being with one another, God. And so we look forward to how you're going to speak to us, God. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.